This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I don't have anything to do with the wrestling or the dirty people that would listen to this. Mm. Edit this bit out, Tom. The boyhood dream has come true. microphone screws screw in steps back as the other cardiac lads jackkins lifts microphone jackkins quietly screws microphone Copy me. Microphone screwed microphone. As the other, as the other cultaholic lads recover from a hellacious weekend on the wrestling front for all the right reasons. We are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean marching towards In Your House in 1996. And who be we? We're not in your house. I be fake Geordie, radio presenter with our portfolio, Tom Campbell. And I am with the mulligan to my hair, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando, Jack Atkins from cultaholic.com. Jackkins, Jack. Hello. Hello. There he is. We are we're, we're deep into the taping schedule oh, of yeah. the classic Raw review. Yes, we are. Because at this point in the real world, you're knackered and I'm on a different continent. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. God, think like you'll be in, you'll be in Canada now. Yeah. Hopefully, they're in one piece. Yeah. I should be back in the office. <laughs> Hopefully, I wasn't sucked to death by guinea pigs in Cardiff. Ooh. One could hope. <laughs> Hope you had a lovely time. Uh, I'll do some lines just to cover my back. It was great to meet, see you in Cardiff. I'm sorry for that thing. I probably did after beers. There you go. I think that covers anything that might happen in Cardiff. I'll do some as well. You call this poutine? Ooh, <laughs> Bret Hart would be shit in his knickers if he tasted this muck. Ooh, isn't Rick Martel underrated? <laughs> I was hoping you're going to go, because poutine, more like Mike shit. Mike shit. <laughs> it's off burned down. <laughs> it's off burned down. <laughs> get them all in, get them all. <laughs> Let's get all the catchphrases in nice and early. Because there's no mailbag this week, because basically we did all the mailbag questions. Unless one has popped through in the last few moments, 
Or which it hasn't, no. So we'll Kay carry on. make one up. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dear Tom and Jackie Orlando. Hello. Hello, Mel. My name is Samantha. Yes, I'm a woman from off of a family. And I listen to the Raw podcast when I am bleeding my radiators on a Wednesday. Brackets. It's the showbiz life. Lamau. Close brackets. I have a question mainly for Jackie Orlando. Where did the name Jackie Orlando come from? <laughs> Plus, who is your favorite from the new generation and why is it Leaf Cassidy? Thanks for everything, lads. Off to bleed a radiator and probably rub one out, whatever my name was at the start. Well, thanks. In Ohio. Thanks, Samantha from Ohio. <laughs> I, I should bleed my radiator soon, actually. That's good advice. A bit too much information saying she was going to rub one out when she was done. That's the Orlando effect. Yeah, you do. It certainly is. Uh, I, I do have thoughts on Leaf Cassidy, but we'll come to them in the show. Ooh, mm. well, that was a, that, we don't have to answer that email, but that is sometimes what the email, <laughs> that is what the emails look like in my head. Uh, are you all right? I'm, I'm fine. I am having, I'm having a lovely time. It's like I said, it's a it's a busy week of taping. I'm trying to think of anything exciting that's happened since I last saw you. I went for beers with Adam Pacitti yesterday. That's quite nice. Thanks for nice. the invite, Adam. And nice. <laughs> it was a bit, a bit of a last minute.com. We'll pop and have one up the road. Uh, it was nice. Um, and then afterwards, because uh, we, we didn't have time to have many, we had like, and I went, I'm going to go. And I don't know who else does this. Do you ever have a solo pint? Oh, no, you don't drink, but do you ever have, like, a solo, <laughs> like, like, like a dinner or, like... I'll do, like, a solo lunch. A solo lunch. Yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. It's quite empowering, isn't it? It, it, it? It's a nice reset for the day. Oh. Have a sit down, clear everything, be like, right, I'm just, I'm just here in the moment, enjoying this plate of offal, <laughs> and... After this, plate of luncheon meat. We start again. Covered in in uh, in pig, covered in pigeon beaks. Oh, you fuck off! <laughs> you fuck off! <laughs> you know, you just you pat yourself down with a serviette. You give give your unmentionables a quick wash in the sink, <laughs> and you're off out the door. That's exactly what, and that's how we do it. Whenever we go for a meal, it's quite empowering. Like I, I've we talked about this on other podcasts before. Like going to the cinema on your own, mm. I think used to be a bad thing. The more I talk about it, the more people go. Actually, I go to the cinema on my own, like and I stuff. And need to start doing it because Sean and I don't like the same things. No, no, mm. Alex and I are the same. It's the only things that we don't we don't land on. Yeah, mm. well, I, I've negotiated for my birthday this year. She's going to actually sit down and watch Terminator 2 with me. Because <laughs> every time she says, what should we watch? I'm just like, Terminator 2, you'll enjoy it. And she's like, fuck off. I was like, for my birthday, Terminator 2. <laughs> it's one of those special things that a partner will ask of his significant other. For my, hey, do my special thing for oh. my birthday. On my birthday, I want you to do that special thing for me. Mm. I don't want to. Yeah, but it's my birthday, so you have to. What is it? Watch Terminator 2. Oh, Terminator 2. <laughs> And then you can role play, and one of you can be Sarah Connor, and one of you can be a Terminator. <laughs> That's a lovely, sexy night in that is. As long as I can be Sarah Connor, <laughs> I was—I would expect nothing less. No, let me, let me. There you go. Hello, I'm Terminator. Oh, excuse me, are you a woman from the future? Yes. Kick it off. <laughs> That's my role playing. I've been in a mental institution, <laughs> and boy. Boy, my arm's tired. Better get guns know. and traumatise a family. <laughs> Terminator 2 there. Terminator 2. One, man, I was, one man moving. I was amazed talking about, um, you know, going for a meal or a drink on your own. Coming into the office this morning. And, uh, <laughs> I know, 
you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. Tom, Tom is usually it's usually Tom and Aiden are the first thing. I'm usually third or fourth because you two come in. Aiden comes in for eight. You come in whenever. But I was actually in before you today. So Tom comes in. He's like, "Oh, better make myself a breakfast." And I walked over, <laughs> and it was literally just a bowl full of full <laughs> to the brim of, <laughs> of broken biscuits and sugar. <laughs> it's it's no, like in my defence, Your Honour. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, in my defence, right, there was <laughs> porridge underneath it. <laughs> Three oats worth of porridge. I had, I had, I had what uh, the Government Trading Standards Authority would determine as a portion of porridge if that you... went with my broken biscuits and my sugar. If, if you showed that to the Quaker Oat man, he would not be able to comprehend <laughs> it and he'd blow up. He would quake in his boots. <laughs> but I just saw it and thought, fuck me. I even said to you, I was like, I'm going to have to have about nine coffees before this po- he podcast. Said, he said, do you, want any, do you want any porridge with your biscuits and sugar? It, it was honestly... I need any of the peanut, the peanut butter, yeah. Imagine if Home Alone was realistic. <laughs> And in, <laughs> if, instead of Macaulay Culkin ordering himself a pizza and buying a new toothbrush, he just thought, fuck it, I'm having biscuits and sugar for a meal. <laughs> I, like, I'd like to meet the person that hasn't sometimes thought about crushing a digestive over their porridge. And, and there are two types of people in this world. People who crush digestives over porridge and liars. <laughs> I did have some ice cream last week, and I did snap a chocolate hobnob onto it. Well, there you go. But I didn't claim it's breakfast. <laughs> so I, had, I didn't have this bowl of ice cream and hobnobs and be like, ooh, look at this bowl of milk I've got. It just happens to have... <laughs> this bowl of milk. It just happens to have a chocolate biscuit, and ooh, the milk's frozen and turned into Kit Kat ice cream. I would not have questioned it, my friend. I would not have questioned it. Ooh, the perfect way to start a day. I have... <laughs> I was jealous. That's what it was. That's why I'm fat. I've, uh, <laughs> I have I have sprinkled broken biscuits on pancakes before. Mm. Mm, they, there you go. I guess a nice waffle. That's, that's a treat. Or are you talking breakfast pancakes? <laughs> that's lunch. No. <laughs> it went it went well with my it went well with my pint of cream. <laughs> I was going to say two, two cans of whipped cream for two. <laughs> it went well with my pint of cream and my bottle of squeezy cheese. <laughs> I, I've said to Alex, like, when, when we're together and I'm cooking, like, I'm actually really good at cooking. I can make nice meals. But when I'm on my own, I eat like a child. Like, I will quite happily, if Alex is away for a weekend, I will happily have, like, smiley faces mm. and, and turkey dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> quite happily. Put some peas on there to add to the veg. The, the, one, the ones... Cover that... them in biscuits. Oh... <laughs> fucking tomato ketchup on your biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Drowned. Yeah. No, I'm the same. Like, I, I cook myself a delicious breakfast every morning. We've gone over this, that I am somehow, somehow not egg-bound. You are not egg-bound, surprisingly. And in our old flat, we had a big kitchen, so I didn't mind cooking. Now we've got, like, a small galley one, so I'm just like, Deshaun's like, I don't, don't want to cook in this. Can you make tea? But if I'm on my own, I'll be like, oh. Have I got any fucking bird's eye frozen chicken char grills in the freezer oh. and some oven chips? They are bobbins. They're rubbish. And I fucking love them. <laughs> they're crap. Like, at uh, any time, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got you know, some nice herbs and fresh meat and veg in, in the fridge. And then, you know, we've, of course, got 20, 24 frozen fish fingers in case Jack's in on his own and needs a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... 
My dad likes um, cheap frozen burgers. Mm. That's his thing. Like, he doesn't like it when you go and they're like big, thick, like proper homemade meaty ones. He likes bought burgers, bought and burgers, where they're just like little frozen brown circles that you put on a pan for 10 minutes and go, there you go. That's Nourishment. Like, that's like me with sausages. Like, I'll, I'll eat a good sausage. Ooh. Um, but if you said to me, do you want a six-pack of Richmond? I'd be like, fucking yeah, get some bangers there. Fantastic. Did we talk about sausages the other week, you and I? Uh, or was it with Sound Driver? Maybe with Sound Driver. I found we were talking about sausages in the office because Aiden revealed that he doesn't like sausages. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. He's been cast out now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he lives on the street eating his pork chops. Why do sausages have to be sausage shaped? Well, you can get round sausages, can't you? You can, but they're kind of seen as like weird. I've got some in the freezer. I just, oh, nice. Yeah. There was a place that used to do square sausages. I just wondered, like, it's, why mm. that is the, that is the accepted shape of a sausage, like, why that is all right, and not that there's anything wrong. With, I say it like it's a problem, like there's enough fucking problems in the world right now. I'm not adding, but like, why is that the accepted shape of a sausage? It's, it, it's just the way it's made, surely, because obviously the sausage casing is a it's a potential space, and when you fill it with sausage meat, you can only. So I mean, it's the you, casing of the sausage. Because if you had a wider casing, then you just have like a big like shot pot of sausage mm. meat, which sounds delicious <laughs> and also disgusting. But you can shape it like you know how they do when they do glass blowing. When the glass blow blows, the glass blow blows. <laughs> Where like you <laughs> <laughs> raw sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I want a glass blow raw sausage. In the shape of a swan. <laughs> a delicate swan sausage. Yes! Yes! Put a chip in its beak. <laughs> Cover it biscuits. Um, <laughs> why Why wouldn't we want that? As um, a society, is it too gauche? Am I Am I, Am I? I overstepping the mark with... with if you're a butcher, listen in today. <laughs> Tell us why. This is like... You're a, so lazy. <laughs> this is like Michelin star stuff. Like Heston Blumenthal would be like, hey, do you know what? I'm going to have a trapezoid sausage, but it's made out of like... Uh, Dog kidney, <laughs> biscuits and foie gras. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Serve with beaks of pigeons. Um, oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> Run drags. <laughs> made us a trapezoid sausage. <laughs> Covered in pigeon beaks. <laughs> and encased with the hearts of hamsters. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck off. Oh, yo, 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 fuck off. Get a rat sweat on. Miss Teats are popping. Uh, now, yeah, okay, some food for thought for butchers. Thanks for listening to the Gold <laughs> Classic Raw Review. Uh, let's get into this week's episode. So 15th of April 1996 is where we am. Uh Number one movie in the US is still Primal Fear, mm. which we talked about last week, mm-hmm. uh, starring him from Frasier. Number one movie in the UK is still Toy Story. Prodigy is still twisting the fire star at number one in the UK music charts. And Celine Dion, still shit in the bed, number one in the US charts. <laughs> All quiet on the Western front. Uh, yeah. uh, other bits of news worth noting. The 4,000th episode of Coronation Street aired on this day. On, on this day in the UK on ITV. Did it probably involve Ken Barlow and Mike Baldwin having a fight? You know what? I looked it up, and the epi- the 4,000th episode of Coronation Street sounds pretty tame. 
I thought it would all kick off. Yeah. For example, in the episode, Alec tells Vicky that he'll move out to a five-star hotel. Judy is furious when Gary pays the horse's feeding bill with their holiday money, rightly so. Ashley and Kelly arrange to have a date in the Rovers, both terribly shy and actually asking the other out. Bless, isn't it adorable? Ashley Peacock. I know, right? Uh, Also... um, Don and Josie are alarmed when Kevin tells them the garage compressor is broken and it'll cost £5,000 for a new one. Happy 4,000th episode, Coronation Street. I thought there'd be like a big fire or something or a tram crash. That's or... more Emmerdale's thing, isn't it? Corey did a tram crash. Oh, someone got run out. Yeah, The yeah, tram yeah. came off the tracks. Yeah. Right into the street. Yeah. Blew everybody up. They love it. It's a nice hard reset for uh, when new writers come in. Because Emmerdale did the plane crash, didn't they? Emmerdale did the plane crash. Uh, uh, Brookside did the armed siege. Slides <laughs> 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 a Scouse Coke dealer's hand up and like, who wants who wants a slapping? Um, <laughs> uh, EastEnders did. They've done a few hard. Re- they've done a fire. I'm sure. Fire in the pub. EDL said the pub on fire. EDL said the pub. On- Grant Filmage set the pub on fire. With hilarious results. Uh, well done, Corey. Still going strong. Looking forward to starting the cultaholic classic Coronation Street review. Oh God. Madonna, uh, the day after this episode of Raw airs, announces that she is four months pregante mm. by Carlos Leon, her then boyfriend and trainer. So Madonna's going to be a mum. Will this be Lords? Yeah, Lords, 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 and she's going to sing songs. That's Lords, sorry. <laughs> On the 18th of April, the I- people else. The, oh, the ITC confirms the awarding of a television broadcasting license to the Channel 5 Broadcasting Limited Corporation. Oh, God. Yeah, they were exciting times, weren't they? 50% of its programming must be original, while there are quotas for the amount of public service programming that must also be aired. So Channel 5 is coming! We're getting a fifth channel! I vividly remember the first day with uh, Spice Girls kicking it off. Yeah, that little video from the Spice Girls, didn't they? Welcome to Channel 5. Did they play Family Affairs on the first day? It's probably Family Affairs. They had... Yeah. At the beginning of Channel 5, they had this like game show every day that I think, oh, who hosted it? Some fucker did, which was quite good. And they had Family Affairs, and then on Friday nights, Bit of Blue. It was a bit <laughs> blue, wasn't it? It was a bit naughty. Yeah. Uh, Channel 5, they first four day. Hard, was that Channel 4? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Couldn't tell you the last time um, I watched Channel 5, to be honest. Uh, it could have been. I just want to find what was on the first day, but it's not telling me here. Uh, the launch, uh, the channel's launch on the 30th of March. It's not coming out for another year yet, mm. so we'll talk about it next year. It did feature Spice Girls singing in 54321, originally a Mountford Man hit. Yeah. And they sang it as 12345, mixing it up. One, two, Tim three, Vine three. and Julia Bradbury were the hosts for the first day. Yeah. I think it was Tim Vine oh. who was on this quiz show that we used to watch. Uh, yeah. So this is five, was at six o'clock. Family Affairs at 6.30. Two Little Boys at seven. Oh, just weird. Um, a a comedy called Hospital with an exclamation mark. Bet that was zany. Yeah, wacky and or oh. zany. Beyond Fear was at nine o'clock. Ten thirty had the Jack Doherty show. I remember that, a, yeah. a weekly chat show as we talked about the other day. We just never really hit the ground running yeah. with those late night chat shows like they do Off of America. Comedy Store Special at eleven past uh, ten past eleven. Turnstile at twenty to twelve. What the the band? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Live and dangerous at midnight. This might have been where it went a bit blue. Sounds sexy. And uh, and then that was the end of programming for the first name. 
So there you go. So that was Channel 5. It's got that. We'll talk more about that next year. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, the revival of Stephen Sondheim's musical comedy, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, uh, opened at St. James Theatre in New York, starring Nathan Lane. Oh. Like Nathan Lane, he's the guy from The Birdcage. And he's played a blinder in Only Murders in the Building on Disney+. Plus. Last episode of it I'm going to watch later. I've still not got around to it. Oh, it's very good. Steve been, Martin's in it. It's very good. I've been finally watching Lord of the Rings. That's been me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I watched them when they came out and hated them and thought it's been 20 years. Better give them another chance. How are you finding them this time around? Halfway through Fellowship of the Ring, it's... Aiden was saying to me, oh, have you got the super-duper, spanky, wanky, seven-hour version? I was like, no. I was like, this, you know, I'm, I'm gauging to see whether I'm into it. I'm not going to spend seven hours. So the regular editions, the graphics have aged, which is why you should use physical effects and not CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the Hobbits are shit, but it's a good... Yeah, it's a bit fun. There was a thing I read uh, about <laughs> Ian McKellen, like having a real. They he had what they call was it green screen fever on on the Hobbit, wasn't it? Yeah. On the Hobbit, yeah, where like you're constantly acting to a green screen and it sends you a little bit loopy. Yeah, because he's on his own, he's acting to no one, he's got no one to bounce off, and there's no set built around him. Yeah, so he just he just he really struggled with it. So because yeah. he was like, this is not why I became an actor. He's like, yeah, Peter Jackson he used to be really good at physical effects. Then he became lazy. He just got lazy just pumping out films. Lazy. He was like, oh, at least three every five years. Draw a tree. 20 million quid. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Barbie fashion designer for Windows is the big video game released this week. Barbie fashion designer. It's a dress-up computer game where you dress Barbie in different styles and outfits. Then you can print off your designs and create clothing for your real-world Barbie dolls with them. So presumably, there's a whole bunch of Barbie dolls around the UK that have got really shit pieces of paper stuck to them. (laughs) Look, Mama designed an outfit for Barbie. I saw a tweet recently, and I think it was from one of the Barbie games, and someone just went, the music on this Barbie game should not go so hard. And it's just a piece of... Just amazing house music. <laughs> <laughs> what game was it? I'll find out for you. Find out. Alex is Alex always told me that the first the game that resonates with her as a kid was Barbie Riding School. Yeah. Um, where you would like trot around as a custom made horse, which is part of the reason why she enjoys um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Red Dead Redemption, because there is basically the Barbie horse riding club engine within it. <laughs> Oh, right. So Kind it's, of. Obviously, it's more advanced. You so. ride around on horses, basically. So she's not killing things, she's just riding horses. She likes riding horses. This is from Barbie Beauty Boutique, and it's just... Oh, yeah. It's like French house. Yeah. Who wrote that and just went, I'm just going to go mental on this. Sod it. It, it does sound like a, like Daft Punk just went, I'll uh, uh, sell to Barbie. Yeah, go on then. Bobby, 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 come on, Bobby, let's go party. Ah, uh, stopped because I was shaking the, my phone the, too much. The party stopped. <laughs> Why does your phone stop when you shake it too much? Because I turned it round and my Twitter app's going a bit mad. Um, you get the gist. It was too much of a banger for Bobby. It was too much of a banger for Bobby. <clears throat> anyway, so those are some of the real world nonsenses. What's happening in wrestling, Jack Atkins? Oh, well, uh, we've got. <laughs> Fuck all. No, we've, we've got some bits. We, we've got to start on a heavy note, though. So this is from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, dated April 22nd, 1996. Brian Pillman's been in a car crash. 
It's um, so Brian Pillman was thrown forty feet out of, as Dave puts, the open air military vehicle he was driving on April fifteenth. At press time, was hospitalized, hospitalized in Cincinnati with multiple fractures and lacerations. Pillman, thirty three, ran off the road on Kentucky Route three three eight and struck a tree stump, then went across the road into a field, where his van overturned, and he was thrown forty foot from the vehicle. According to witnesses, he esti- they estimated he was driving 60 to 70 in a 45 zone. He was listed in critical condition on the 16th, but it was said to not be life-threatening, and there was no speculation about the status of his wrestling career. So- now, there was speculation at this point that he was WWF bound that we've not really touched upon. No, it's because... Because it's kind of flown under the radar. Because Dave still doesn't really know what's going on, but is acting like he does. It's like, oh, they're trying to play WCW. WCW obviously still think they've got Brian Pillman and Hogan wants to squash him because Hogan's feeling threatened by everyone. ECW are trying to get him in a match with Shane Douglas, but whether it's a shoot or whether it's a work, things are going weird there because he's the loose cannon, but he's he's it's a bad crash, this, and we know... With hindsight, it's one of the things when talking about Pillman's career. It's like one of the the, the chapters of his career, the bad crash. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that has happened this week. So that changes like that. That changes his in ring career forever. Yeah, he's no longer flying Brian after this. He can't be flying Brian after this. And kind of what we what we get though is is a Brian Pillman that is that is so strong character wise that you almost don't realize. Yeah. In ring, he's nowhere near the pace that he was after this crash. Yeah, because thinking about the run he's going to have. Like a 35-year-old, if, if he was in tip-top condition, a 35-year-old healthy Brian Pillman as the loose cannon. Would have been incredible. Yes, it would have been bloody incre- incredible. But we'll keep tabs on him because there's plenty to say about him. Mm. So last week, we had a very good episode of Monday Night Raw. We did. And Vince McMahon is very happy. It drew a 4.7 rating. It was unopposed. And this amounts to about 3.05 million homes. The second largest audience from start to finish on average ever to watch a pro wrestling show in the history of cable, trailing only the 1988 Royal Rumble. Wow. So. Absolutely smashed it. Yeah, but Dave's saying, going on a post during a time when wrestling's on a hot streak. Mate, we've not even begun to get fucking hot. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, On on previous unopposed positions at 3.6s and 3.7s for WF and WCW. And he reckons the debut of Warrior that put the show over the top. Because people will be tuning in, being like, Warrior, fuck it, yeah. Yeah, Let's I'll do it. I want to see him. And he's saying that only a small percentage of fans only actually order the pay per view. So more people, it would be their first chance to see Warrior rather than seeing him squash Helmsley. So it, it did very fucking well. And obviously, with no Nitro as well. <clears throat> yeah. And it shows you there's still wrestling fans out there. And they picked a great night just to throw everything at it. Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to try and. Convert some of those WCW fans to WWF fans. Yeah. Starting five minutes early last week as well, also a blinder. So, yeah. So Vince is going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Mm, and let's we'll see s- if this keeps up. Then. Yeah. Well, currently, WWF are on tour in Germany. Um, it's going well. They're selling out. I was I looked at some of the cards, and the thing that stuck out was how they're using Steve Austin. So on the tour, he's beaten Savio. A DQ lost to Ahmed to keep them both strong, so he must have just beat down Ahmed. And he's also been wrestling Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. 
So even though he's a good hand in the mid card, they must be thinking, mm. let's put him in with Brett and Sean, see how he does. Maybe he's more than just a good hand in the mid card. That's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Million I, dollar champion. I know. I know. It's 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 an idea that is farcical that he could be more than just a good hand in the mid card. You know what? We're in Germany. No one's watching in Germany. <laughs> he should be doing jobs to the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. I think I think everybody should be doing jobs to the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. I'm going to pull up one of their cards from Germany. We'll pull it up. I'll pull you up in a minute. Pull up um, the card, baby. Because what I love about looking at these cards from these times is it gives you an idea of where the company is going and yeah. what they because they're, they're using it as a little chance to test the waters. On um, on on what they could potentially have as yeah, top liners yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, it's also interesting. To, I always I know with CageMatch.net and thank you CageMatch.net. I'm pretty sure they are based in Germany. They are, yeah. Because I typed in WWF and events in Germany and only four came up. So I typed in Deutschland and there's hundreds now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I've, I've broke the system. The WWF Champions Tour, on this night when Raw was aired, they were in Oldenburg in Deutschland. Deutschland. Yes, they were, uh, to 5,500 people. Uh, strong crowds That's all the way game. around. Yeah. So, I mean, take a look at this. Take a look at the card for this particular night and compare it to another one. Uh, Six-man tag, open the night. Duke Drosy and the Bushwhackers beating Isaac Yankum, Leaf Cassidy and the 123 Kid. No Marty Jannetty. Mm. But Bonty Free Kids on the so. mm, Yeah, but then so is a few other um, non uh, non uh, persona non grata persona non grata. Uh, Justin Bradshaw's beating Savio Vega. Wonder what will no. happen with that. Uh, keep an eye on the hawk. Owen Hart beats Jake Roberts in okay. a one-on-one match. Ahmed Johnson beats Steve Austin by DQ. Yeah, keep them strong. Body Donners beating the Godwins in the, for attack for the tag titles. Later in the night, Razor Ramon beats the one, two, three kid. Yeah. The kid comes back out, gives it some socks, and then Ramon beats him. Uh, now, is this because was Goldust taken off the tour? He, yes. didn't think he was injured. He does. He, we got a little bit after this saying about, yeah. Yeah, so, so therefore they're just sort of swapping things around a little bit. Uh, Bret Hart beats Triple H. Yeah. Beats Hunter S. Helmsley. Uh, so Bret's still wrestling. The Undertaker beats Diesel in a WrestleMania rematch. And then top of the show, Shawn Michaels beats the Bulldog. Uh, main event man. I'm happy to be main event man. That's a decent card, though. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. And then... The following night, they just sort of move a few of the people around. Austin beating Vega this time. Uh, Jake Roberts beating Isaac Yankum this time. Shawn Michaels headlining against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Mm. I, this that should, as I said to last week, that should have been the match. Yeah, that started Shawn Michaels' title run. That should have been the one instead of Jerry Lawler. It should have been Helmsley. Mm. I'm just saying, it should have been Helmsley. And then for the rest of the tour, like you say, Austin put in there against Bret Hart. Austin put in there um, against uh, Shawn Michaels. And Austin put in there a few times against like some other sort of relatively noteworthy people. Yeah. Like they're giving him a bit of a run out. In fact, he headlined on the 20th uh, in uh, Bayern uh, in front of 4,000 people. He headlined with Shawn Michaels in the WWE title match. Exactly, yeah. Good hand on the main event. What a wild idea. Shawn Michaels versus Austin for the title. That's a pipe, yeah. that's a pipe dream. That's Come a on. silly idea. Good hand. Good hand in the mid-card. Stay where you belong. So uh, a tidbit from ECW. Tidbit. So on April 13th at the Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, Damien Stone and JT Smith defeated Bubba Ray Dudley and Big Dick Dudley via DQ when a new Dudley brother turned up. Devon Dudley. 
So, uh, Devon, get the DQ, it seems. So, Devon Dudley as... Um, Devon, get the hello. So this will this will change the Dudley family because at this point it was just a bloated kind of mid card comedic. Name as many of them as you can. Bubba Ray Dudley. Ding. Devon Dudley. Ding. Big Dick Dudley. Ding. Spike Dudley. Ding. Dudley Dudley Dudley. Ding. Chubby Dudley. Ding. Sangai Dudley. Ding. Dances with Dudley. Ding. Joel Gertner was an associate. Ding. Big Daddy Dudley, who you never see. Ding. Luke Dudley. Ding. And Butch Dudley. Ding. And I think there's some more, but... There's loads of others. Yeah, yeah. I think but those are the main ones. So yeah. well done. Good shout. As you uh, Yeah, so like like we often say, both on the podcast and off the podcast, one of the joys of doing this is just going back and being like, oh, look at that date in history. Like when Craig Johnson wrestled for... Uh, yeah. <laughs> His name's Dwayne or Craig. Anyway, like, yeah. he might be all right. Yeah. Uh, some WCW news. There is talk of Nitro going to two hours every Monday no! morning. No! Yeah. Don't do it! Yeah. He's taking long enough as it is! So the idea behind it, behind your favourite show of 1996, <laughs> TNT would increase its weekly payment to WCW for the second hour, which would make WCW even more profitable. And with the added money, they can acquire even more talent. It would also give them a one-hour jump on the WWF, since the hour would be in place of Thunder in Paradise. I can't believe Thunder in Paradise didn't work. Thunder! Thunder in Paradise! But I like this last line. Even if two hours is overexposure from a wrestling standpoint, from a TNT standpoint, an hour of Nitro would do double the ratings of Thunder in Paradise. Oh. But he's just put Thunder. Uh, uh. Lanny Poffo is pretty much a sure thing to come in with a George, gorgeous George gimmick to WCW, which I thought was interesting because obviously Lanny Poffo's brother, Randall Poffo, Randy Savage, who owns the rights to the gorgeous George gimmick. Mm. We would see a gorgeous George, and she as a was lady. fucking gorgeous. She was a she was indeed yeah. a George. It, it wasn't it, it wasn't just a clever name. It wasn't just a clever name. She like definitely the, was a George. Like like the shitty Beatles. <laughs> uh, Eric Bischoff has been firing back at uh, Vince McMahon. He made a number of statements and interviews in the Miami Herald and the Charleston Post Courier over the past week. <laughs> like Vince, he seems to be working some sort of storyline on his own. He ripped Kevin Nash. Saying reports of a seven hundred grand three year deal aren't true. Brackets. Nash is actually telling everyone the three year deal is for seven hundred and eighty grand a year. Uh, Bischoff said he had made no deal with Nash. Brackets. Nash has a deal with WCW, so why he said that is confusing. <laughs> Coming in. And Bischoff also said, Nash has always had a big mouth and isn't afraid to talk before he thinks. He largely praised Brian Pillman, saying he's very talented, but said the reason Pillman has become a hot commodity was due to people like himself, Kevin Sullivan and Arn Anderson. Mm. He also Bischoff also claimed Savage and Hogan aren't they're just not bothered about the billionaire Ted skits. And uh, Dave's point, I wonder if anyone believes that. They were talking legal action at one point, and now Hogan has to beat up on eight or nine guys at a time because he's been driven so completely out of his mind at the same time those skits started running. When asked about giving away raw results on the air, Bischoff just said, I enjoy it. <laughs> right, so... He does, to be fair. A couple of little bits from WWF. Oh, go for it. Razor Ramon and Diesel both finish up on May 19! Oh, that's why Kane was sad. Yeah. Because that many had stopped being Diesel. Yeah, he was like, oh, great. <laughs> I've got to be Diesel now and look a bit better in the gimmick than Nash did at times. <laughs> he did lean into it a lot more, didn't he? Yeah. But but even though, like, obviously Nash is cooler, Glenn Jacobs in his prime was a fucking jack, dude. He was jacked. Um, Rick Bogner as Razor wasn't as good. Oh. So Dave believes after the pay-per-view and TV tapings, 
uh, Ramon and Diesel are only going to work the Baltimore, Philadelphia, and MSG house show run from May 17th to May 19th, and that's it. There is no truth to any rumors that Razor Ramon wanted to stay and was turned down. Mm. Mm. So he definitely wants to go. Yeah. And he's, he's leaving after May 19th. Mm. As we alluded to before, on April 13th in Dusseldorf, Goldust blew out his knee against Razor Ramon and missed the April 14th show. So they gave Ramon a win over one, two, three kid, Dave Putt, which I guess shows how far kids' stock has fallen when they won't even give him a win over the guy who was leaving. Because <laughs> if you missed it, the other week we talked about sort of Ramon's place in the company, and we'll talk about it more in a little bit. Mm. Um Razor Ramon is, is is persona non grata because he's on the way out. Yeah. So he's on this German house show loop just losing to Goldust every night. Yeah. But now, obviously, Goldust is out, so he might pick up a few Ws. Uh, Yokozuna will return on May 17th. <laughs> he's currently at a dietary clinic at Duke University. I hope it works out for him. I'm sure it'll be fine. And he won't sneak out for chicken on an evening. <laughs> uh, Billy Gunn returns in mid-May after being out the past few months after neck surgery. Uh, Perfect should be back soon, probably to feud with Shawn Michaels later this year. Well, he's back in terms of... On commentary, yeah. Back in the ring, though, is interesting, because I know that this might be something they go back and forth on because of his Lloyd's payout. Yeah. So this was was kind of before the classic review started, but um, a lot of wrestlers got these insurance deals with Lloyd's of London that when they got injured, they would be paid out for the rest of their days, yeah. providing they stayed retired. And if they came out of retirement, then all of that is void, which is why Bret Hart was so very reluctant to do anything in ring because he was getting paid wonderfully by Lloyds of London, mm. as was Mr. Perfect. And Rick Rude, I think they were the Rick three. Rick Rude was the other yeah. as well, wasn't he? Did Mick Foley do it as well? I'm not sure about Foley. I mean, and Foley mentions it in his book. Because I know that Brett had to jump through through hoops to get his. Literally, but, Lloyds were really weird. They were next to a circus. Yeah. They were like, go on. <laughs> go on, Brett. Go on, you bastard. No, I can't. I'm injured. <laughs> right the wall of death. Go on. I'm injured, uh, Luke. Hey. Yeah, because um, because Rude and Perfect had basically taken them the cleaners. They were saying to Brett, like, are you injured? He's like, I'm f- Fucked. He turned to Brett Hart. Uh, Brett Hart. He turned to David. I'm fucked, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, perfect. Apparently, scheduled to come back to feud with Shawn Michaels. Mm. We'd seen the genesis of that last week. The genesis of McGillicutty. So, mm. and nice. Mm. I don't mind if it's if it's perfect coming up, coming back at like top speed because mm. that's a good opponent for Shawn. That's like a veteran opponent that Shawn can match up to and yeah. and pick up a win over that really sort of solidifies who he is. Yeah, credible wrestler as well. Mm. Uh, Pat Patterson will be moving back to Connecticut in May. WWF sources say he won't be going back to work with the WWF. Oh, no, 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 no. He was just simply a guest at WrestleMania. Ah, so he's still done with the company Mm. for now. That'll change. Mm. And this one made me laugh as well because, you know, very prescient from Dave here. WWF Raw magazine had an article ripping WCW written by Vince Russo. It was basic childish writing with nothing of substance. <laughs> and See you soon. One last tidbit. Remember a while back now that Antonio Noki was trying to get all the federations together to run a peace show? Yeah. So get this. That's going well, right? Get That's this happening. one of the matches, right? Guess who's eating the loss in this tag match? Antonio Noki and Dan the Beast 7 versus Yoshiaki Fujiwara. And Sergeant Craig Pittman. <laughs> Pittman's getting pinned, isn't he? Do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> not sure, you know. Ooh, not sure. Yeah, fucking hell. I, saw, <laughs> I was pissing myself when I saw that. I was like, that's a mad one being like, oh, 
Pittman shared a ring with Inoki Seven and Fujiwara, but also clearly in there just to yeah, get battered. Is, is it just so like he can be the fall guy? Because like you could have picked anyone else that would have looked as out of place as Sergeant Pitbull Pittman. Yeah, who at some point, I don't know if it's happened, no, it'll be in the future, I think, in our timeline. When he's trying to get Jimmy Hart to take him as a manager. And oh, that's happened already. Oh, it's happened. Look at you. Now look at Lex and just laughs at him and he walks off all upset. He spent weeks going to different people going, you'll be my manager. And then going, no, mate, you shit. Your and shit. then him walking off looking sad. I said, oh my God, day. <laughs> what a call. So uh, that's, that's all the news this week. Oh, Pittman, bless you, mate. Mm. I, I like to think he pinned Inoki. Good payday. <laughs> Fucking great payday. Yeah. Let's go through Monday night out of the 15th of April, 1996. Uh, we will see behind-the-scenes footage of Brett from WrestleMania 12. He'll also break his silence uh, during a live event tour in Germany. They mm. have a special interview they did with him in Bonn. Could we be saying Bon Voyage to Bret Hart? What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. His comments are coming up tonight. Uh, also tonight, we will hear from Vader. We will see Savio Vega challenge Goldust for the Intercontinental title. And Stone Cold Steve Austin is, is in action against Bart Gunn. Some good hands in the mid card there. Uh, we go to our opening match. It is Leaf Cassidy, still sans Marty Gennetti. Do we know what happened? Is he just injured? Well, he's, he's there at ringside, isn't he? But was he, he? He does. He comes out. Of course he was. I'm being a complete... Um, <laughs> I've even got it in my notes here. Of course he was. Uh, Mero, <laughs> I watched it two days ago. My head's gone. Mero is accompanied by leather-clad Sable and a prototype version of Sable's music. It's not quite the finish because it hasn't got that... <laughs> hasn't got any of that in there yet. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Imagine if the music had just been, instead of the... It was Vince McMahon going... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically Sable's gimmick, which just Vince going, she's so beautiful, I want to I yeah. wanna, wanna touch her ass. I want to fuck her. Uh, that was Vince's storyline with Sable. Picture in picture reminds us of what's happened with Hunter and Miro lately, because that's the storyline that is still bubbling away. Sign in the crowd that says, Leaf Cassidy, WWF champion in seven years. I looked on Cage Match <laughs> to see where Leaf Cassidy would be on the 15th of April in 2003. Um, he was in a tag match, losing effort, teaming with Maven. Um, but in February of that same B, Al Snow was in a battle royal to determine who'd face Triple H for the world title at WrestleMania. So he was nearly there. He was in a battle royal. Yeah. Okay, that counts. Yeah. That counts. He, he, was in, he was in the title scene. Yeah. yeah. He was in the title scene. He was one match away from facing Triple H at WrestleMania, and that is not a lie. Uh, Leave Cassidy flare flips over the top rope perfectly, perfectly as well. As Mero gets a, a strong start, uh, Leaf lands on his feet, blows a raspberry at Mark Mero. So Mero just clocks it. It was a good little bit. Cassidy and Mero chase each other around the ring with Lawler comparing it to the Boston Marathon, which was the uh, that day the 100th Boston Marathon had taken mm. place. Uh, shenanigans from Janetti. There he is. He is there, Tom. Uh, put Cassidy in charge. Go have more biscuit porridge, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> back from break in time to see Cassidy hitting the bad day on Mero. It was the bad day. It I, was. Yeah, okay. 
Because I've got bad mood slash bad day because oh. I actually look it up. I thought it was, I thought I came in last week and when it was the bad mood and you went, oh, it might have been the bad day. We it's, didn't know which one. We, we right. just knew there was. I'm going to look it up now. He's looking it up. I'm looking it up now, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny B. Bad, bad mood, which is the bad mood, which is the bad day. Right. Okay. Johnny B. Bad versus Eddie Guerrero. It's throw me here. Oh, help YouTube by answering one question. No, I refuse to. So Johnny versus Eddie. I'm watching a match from Nitro. I'm going to see if I could find if he does. Yes, I found a bit where he does. But an advert has played telling me to buy Ant Middleton's audiobook, The Have Fear you? Bubble. Every, everyone, everyone, everyone needs to read that. I don't know. Who he yeah. Is. I don't know. Oh. Granny, I've got the job. <laughs> Runs in the family. There you go. Bad mood. So it's bad mood. It's the bad mood. He hits the bad mood. So Leaf Cassidy hits the Granny, I got the job on to Johnny B. Bad, now known as Mark Mero. Mm. Uh, now, uh, Jenny Janetti batters Mero when the ref's not looking. So Mero is on the back foot against Leaf now. Mero tries to break the full Nelson. Eventually, he does with a head scissors. He lands a gorgeous top rope sunset flip and chalks up another W in the WWF. Yeah. What do you reckon to the opener? Decent. Um, for Mark Mero's second Raw show, and I think Leaf Cassidy got a little too much offense. In. But they worked really well together I really like to answer Samantha's email from the beginning oh yeah uh, I, I'm really liking this Leaf Casty gimmick he's, he's playing it well and Vince keeps going on on the commentary saying oh he's such a dork and <laughs> he is <laughs> he does that fun little dance which is which is like a running version of Adam Pajiti's spunky cock dance yeah so there's something for you to try at home uh, yeah so uh, they I, seem I, to I, like him don't they yeah because um, obviously spoilers at some point they'll be like right we'll send you to ECW for a bit more seasoning and because Paul Heyman's writing the characters he's saying yeah rather than having you be a 70s throwback how about you just be a mental fella with uh, who talks to a head and you come to the ring to the prodigy and everyone just went that's fucking mint (laughs) (laughs) was it a case of the polystyrene head thing we'll talk about it more close to the time it was just a prop that was there on the day wasn't it it was just sort of found I'm sure it was a thing um, that him and Foley did because they because mm. obviously Foley rips snow all, all the time because they were travel buddies. But it was stuff just like I think he Foley originally did it or Snow did it on one of the drives where he was pretending that like his lunch was his girlfriend and he was talking to his sandwich and saying oh whatever. And he thought, oh, actually, like all wrestlers do, like oh, I could turn this into a gimmick, turned it into head, started blaming all his fans on the head, and then Paul Heyman just went, I'm going to buy a load of. Man, uh, no, th- yeah, I think there was a load of polystyrene heads in the back of the bingo hall, and they just went, fuck it, we'll get them, put them in the crowd. And the visual of it is fucking Is that dead. one pay-per-view that was headlined by Shane Douglas versus Al Snow yeah. for the title and had the full prodigy entrance yeah. with all those yeah. polystyrene heads and the neon lighting? Oh, it's great. It is fantastic. Great. It's Paul Heyman, just, he can make fucking chicken salad out of chicken shit, really, can't yeah. he? Like, centrate the positives, hide the negatives. Yeah. It's dead easy. As long as there's chicken in there, it's still edible. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, as for this match, um, Mark Mara looks really good. The the Sable Charm offensive has started. And knowing how it gets, it's annoying me. Why? I was never a big Sable fan. Mm. I, I find her a bit of a charisma vacuum. I know she gets really over. But basically in this, like, Vince is basically 
on commentary saying, "Ah, oh, she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's fit." He goes, um, <laughs> "He's fit." He says, "She's po- po- possibly the classiest lady we've ever had in the WWF." I was like, "Did you forget about like Miss Elizabeth?" And... No, no, he, he hasn't. Oh, he hasn't. He's erased Miss Elizabeth because Miss Elizabeth by this point has debuted on Nitro. Yeah, of course. So he, he keeps saying she's classy, and it's like, mm, not really. And Lola just keeps saying, ah, oh, shame about her face. It's like, that's a bit mean. She, yeah. she did just always look pissed off, though. She had a face that was just like, she's just eating a really tart lemon. And she's like, <laughs> mm. yeah, she always, yeah. I agree that she was a bit of a charisma vacuum. Yeah. It gets mm. massively over, though. Yeah. You can't follow it, but. Oh, it, yeah. But you follow the money. Yeah, of course. But, um, but apart from that, yeah, fine match. Diesel is on the blower from Germany. A phone call at this point would have probably cost about £25. <laughs> I like to think that he went to a shop around the corner beforehand and bought something like Deutsche Phonen, which is a little card where you scratch the number off. And then he picked up the phone and then he dialed the number on it and they go, please put in three your three-digit number. Please put in your 12-digit number. Please put in the region you'd like to call and the country. Please put in the number. Not recognised. Please hang up and try again. So that about four times. <laughs> yeah, massive Kevin Nash in a tiny German phone box. <laughs> Hands too big for the keypad. Wearing his diesel glove. <laughs> that was the dirty reality. Not so much the diesel glove, but that was the dirty reality of making international phone calls when oh, we God. were younger. Yeah. You youngins don't. Like nowadays, I just use my phone like normal. Hmm. You know, get on Wi Fi for free. Both excited and annoyed the fact that in the Maldives I'll be able to use my phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to. No. Go away, everybody. Leave me alone. I don't want access to everything all the time. I say this, though. If I find out <laughs> from secondhand sources that you go on Slack just once, I will come to the Maldives. I'm deleting the app. Uh, good. Because I'm going to say, I'll bury your phone like a dog. <laughs> I'm deleting the app. I want nothing to do with the wrestling. Um, Diesel is on the blower from Germany. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with the wrestling or the dirty people that would listen to this. Mm. Edit this bit out, Tom. <laughs> you're, all, <laughs> you're all SOBs. You're all SOBs. Keep telling us we're good and sending us money, you SOBs. Please do. <laughs> I miss you so much now I'm away. Send us an email. I, I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm a bit cunty. Don't, it's fine. I love you, but I am on my holiday. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um... <laughs> So Diesel's on the phone from Germany. Um, he's explaining his actions again from Madison Square Garden. He had a perfectly good excuse last week. Yeah. I was putting some vertebrae back in for Shawn Michaels. You're welcome. Uh, he says Shawn Michaels actually needed to be taught a lesson. And he's added a no-holds-barred provision to their match at In Your House. Shawn, who was very cross about being beaten up last week, accepted it. And now he's said it. Now it's law. Diesel calls himself the smartest man in the business and said nobody can beat him in a no-holds-barred match. Fair. I don't know if they can they not. I don't know. We'll find out. Won't we? A Sushi Onita versus Diesel. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yes. Do it, you cowards. Uh, that, yes, yeah, so that's our main event for In Your House in a couple of weeks' time. It's a phenomenal main event. I've never seen it. Oh, they're great together. Oh, <laughs> really? Man. I know, right? They're looking after each other. Really. Shock. Yeah. Horror drama. <laughs> they have a banger. Um, Bart Gunn up next. Here he comes. He is facing the million dollar champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, we get a rerun of an angle from Superstar, which I thought was very cute. Austin has refused to face Savio Vega ever again, but accepted a match from the Caribbean Kid. Oh. Mm. 
well, that's not suspicious in any way, shape, or form. Ended up losing via a roll-up, un- and then the Caribbean kid unmasked to reveal shocker, Savio Vega. Oh, my God. Colour me shocked. Colour me bad. I want to sex you up. Uh, but this week, it's definitely Bart Gun, unless it's Savio Vega wearing a Bart Gun mask. You, will you say this? At, at points, because Bart Gun, he's cut his hair and his hair looks like a microphone. He's not got the moustache. He looks a bit in the face like a young Scott Steiner. Who in turn looks like an old Dave Meltzer. Exactly, yeah. Maybe it's Meltz. It's, it's Meltzer. It was Meltzer Melt's versus gun. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> now, Bart Gun, he loves, as well as guns and cowboy shit, he bloody loves a long headlock and catches Austin <laughs> in a couple as we get underway. Vince reveals on commentary that Ahmed Johnson's thumb was broken in the arm wrestling contest last week. The fucking shoe-in that Bulldog tried to give him with that table. And the only thing that's broken is his fucking thumb. Good thumb in the mid-card. He's like, <laughs> He's like oh, you, you're going to come to Plum Duff King. You can't pull oh. Plum out, can you, fuckhead? <laughs> yeah. Good luck having a plum duff. That was my plan all along. But seeing as I know you and your mate, you can get 5% off. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, good luck coming around my house and playing and playing NHL 95 on Mega Drive yeah. with a broken thumb. Yeah. You won't be able to press pass. You could be the Boston Bruins. I don't give a fuck yeah. about you. Yeah, I'll, brew, you'll, I'll give you a Bruins. Yeah, that's good. That, that's yeah. good. That. Yeah, yeah. What, what a pro, ladies and gentlemen. What, what, what a, what a pro. pro. What a pro. <laughs> We've crossed the international punchline there. No, Tom, you can't play Shinobi. No, but I like Shinobi. <laughs> I don't care, Tom. It's my turn. Can I come round and play Shinobi? Yeah, Sting, you can. You can. Oh, by the way, you're here now and you can't. Oh, no, I've been double crossed again. We're only playing Alex Kid. I don't know where oh, I'm from. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm on holiday. I'm on holiday. I don't. <laughs> Is it Miracle World? Oh, Shinobi World! Because the Miracle World, whilst it's uh, it's not a bad game, it's long and a bit tough. I don't know, I've never got past it. Bit, like bit like the steak I had at Rump King. You take that back. <laughs> Tom, were you working? No, it wasn't. Oh, it was Keith, Keith Hart was. Yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith Hart working. I'm working nights, Dave. Yeah, I'm working nights. Uh, Vince reveals Armage, thumb is broken. He can't get a plumbed off. Poor bastard. Uh, nothing will stop him getting his hands on the bulldog, though, <laughs> and getting his plum duff. Mm. Um, stick the thumb up your ears uh, as he speaks. <laughs> in terms of tangents, I think that's one of the all-time ones. It's one of my favourites, that is. <laughs> We're on holiday. Um, as Vince speaks, Austin throws Gun out of the ring and takes control. He batters him outside the ring as DiBiase encourages him to do more. Austin stops Bart Gum's momentum as he tries to make a comeback in the most unusual of ways. Yeah. So he sits on the top ring rope as he and Bart are locking up and then kind of does like a slow Spanish fly yeah. out of the ring, like pulls him back with him. That's what I've got written down. It's like a weird rope-assisted Spanish fly. It felt very, it felt very deliberate. It didn't feel like Austin like yeah. mismoved or something. But I don't this think I've felt seen very it. very deliberate. I don't think I've ever seen it since. No, I don't think I've ever seen this move since. It was a strange one. He follows it up with the snake eyes and the guardrail as we go into the break. Austin's still in charge when said break returns. Gun is pushing back. He hits a drop kick. He hits a bad body drop. He gets a bulldog. Gun gets his foot grabbed by Ted DiBiase that gives Austin a very brief window, but Gun is trying to counter out of it with a series of roll-ups that only gets two. And then... History is made! History is made! 
Let me talk you through what happens. Bart Gunn puts a sleeper hold on Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's going to get him to tap out, but oh. Austin's got other ideas. He grabs Billy Gunn's head in his arm, kind of creating a C-shape from his arm. Yeah. He then puts his other arm over the top of his aforementioned arm, wrapping both arms around Billy, around Bart Gunn's head. Like just like that, if you yeah. watch on the Patreon, just like that. And then Steve Austin sits on his ass. The momentum bringing Barkin down onto his knees and having his jaw crash with Steve Austin's shoulder. Mm. Fuck a duck. That's the Stone Cold Stunner. A stunner, a stunner, a Stone Cold Stunner. It's a fucking stunner for the first time ever. Beautiful. It's Michael Hayes that, that uh, I believe suggests the stunner mm. for Steve Austin. Because the million dollar dream was fine, but he wanted something with a bit more impact. Yeah. And I'm sure it was Michael Hayes that suggested the stunner. Because I'd heard that as well. But the other thing is, when he was in ECW, he wrestled Mikey Whipwreck, whose finisher was the Whippersnapper. Mm. So it's probably a bit of both. So it's almost like he stole it from Mikey Whipwreck. Maybe. Not saying that he did, but mm. but yeah, it, it was a good suggestion. In the mid card. In the, in the <laughs> but yeah, I'd heard that by Michael Hayes. But when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, yeah, he wrestled Mikey. So it's the idea of like, I mean, obviously a stunner is a, a whippersnapper is a variation on an ace crusher. Yes. Slash jawbreaker combo. Yes. That proves very successful for Stone Cold Steve Austin and for Mikey Whipwreck. It's it's the perfect finisher. It is, do you reckon it's the perfect finisher? Hits it on anyone. Mm, that's true. Anyone, even Donald Trump. <laughs> Just about Vince McMahon, the memory of Vince McMahon, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughter. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, everyone gets a stunner. Big Show can get a stunner. Linda, Linda got a stunner. Um, that and the RKO in terms of like finishes that you can do, yeah. and the Diamond Cutter. Yeah. Finishes that you can just do on anyone, anywhere. Yeah. I think the RKO has more versatility. Yes. Because of the stunner, it's a very the stunner is is a very pav Pavlovian. Pleasing move. Yes. Because it is the, the process of the kick, the wham, stunner. Like, it's a very pleasing move to watch in terms of when it's done right, it's the noise of like, boom, boom. Like, it's that rhythm. A bit like with uh, Jake Roberts and the DDT. Hits the short arm clothesline, everyone knows yeah. it's coming. And again, hit the DDT. And then when he hooks it in, it kind of, it's like a, like a pull in. Yeah. And then a little tap on the back. And it's like, it's like a nice little rhythm to it. Like, yeah, which is always nice, and the stunner's got a similar rhythm, which is why it's always been ever so effective. As you say, you can hit it on anybody. Yeah. So it starts here. It doesn't get a name check here. It's no. just a very unique counter to the sleeper. This leads to the million dollar dream being put on, and Bart Gunn passing out. Austin wins. Your thoughts? Another good match. Um, they went the distance, didn't they? Bart looked strong, and I thought, oh, this is odd. But then I thought, oh, well, we've got Billy Gunn coming back. They obviously want to keep the guns strong in the tag division, so I don't actually. Have a problem with Bark Gun looking all right here. And Austin continues to rack up wins. Yeah. So, and fucking Stunner. The fucking Stunner. Stunner. The, the, the debut of the Stone Cold Stunner. What do you think? I lo I really liked it. I felt that a bit a bit slow to get going, but once yeah. they got the rhythm, then these two got like the lion, like almost got the lion's share of the, the in-ring action tonight. They got a lot of time. It was when they were outside the ring as well, and Austin was properly putting the boots into him that you, it was starting to look more Stone Cold yeah. than Ringmaster. He was fucking putting the boots into Barcon. That transmogrification is happening very quick. Yeah. Very quick. Yeah. 
Uh, after a trailer for In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies, we get Vader and Jim Cornette out for a chatteroonie in the ring. Cornette talks about Vader ripping through Gorilla Monsoon and Yokozuna last week. Mm. It's then revealed that at In Your House, Vader will face Razor Ramon. Pourquoi? Mm. It's the first time he has been mentioned on TV in well over a month. Yeah. Like he is persona non grata. Which is weird because Jim Cornette's going, he's going, oh, I see Vader defeated Monsoon, uh, Yoko's order, and then Razor Ramon. And it was just like, what? Hmm. Razor. Mm. Okay. Cornette says that Razor is the next man to enter the danger zone. Cornette, the magnificent, looks into his crystal ball and sees Razor's career after April 28th taking a sharp downward spiral. I'd wash your crystal ball, Jim. Mm. Uh, I do like, like, because again, the company knows they're on the way out. Yeah. Wording is uh, crucial here. Yeah. Hey, you're gonna, it's going to be shit when you go to WCW, basically. No one's going to care. Yeah. Mm. Razor Ramon may cease to exist. Razor Ramon has made some very bad career choices. There's some truth. There's some truth bumps from Jim Cornette. Maybe the crystal ball isn't as foggy as we thought. Mm. Cornette says the bad guy oozing machismo will be at Art B's in Mayberry in a quilting society meeting. Right. I dug into this. Right. Don't panic. Yeah, because I heard this and went, what the fuck are you chatting, Jim? Right. So Art B <laughs> is a character from the Andy Griffith show and the spin-off Mayberry RFD both of which had ended by the early 70s. So, and so it is a reference to, I believe, the Andy Griffith Show spin-off. Yeah, because the Andy, Andy Griffith Show was thingy, wasn't it? Uh, Mickey Rooney. Was it Mickey Rooney, Andy Griffith? I think it was, yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a dated reference. <laughs> now, now, I thought that too. And again, I've, and I did some bits in this. I said that in 1996, it's probably not that old a reference. It's probably on syndication, isn't mm. it? It would be like somebody in 2022 quoting the Gilmore Girls. Right, yeah. In terms of time yeah. between the two. It'd be a bit like that, which which makes it somewhat more palatable. Yeah, yeah. But like you say, it'd be in syndication. Yeah. It would, you know, yeah, I, I imagine people who are watching Raw at this time may have caught old episodes of the Andy Griffiths show late at night or it's Mayberry. People in 2022 watching Friends. Which we talked about the other day. Which you're very livid about. <laughs> I, I didn't need no an one, excuse to be livid about anything. No though. one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> I lost all sense of rhythm there. <laughs> you really did. Yeah. Uh, great promo by Cornette, I thought, who warns us that he bred and manipulated Vader, but not even he could fully control him. And then we get a reminder that it is Vader time. Uh, what do you mean? We're already clean. Scrub, scrub, scrub till the water's brown. <laughs> 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 Quarter past day. <laughs> it's Vader on my tray. <laughs> Vader everywhere. Chicken on my tray. <laughs> Chicken everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so thoughts on Vader and Jim having a chin wag. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cornette's got the gift of the gab. But that last bit where he's saying that Vader's an unhinged monster and even he can't control him. I wanted Cornette to show a bit more fear because that's what I've liked after Vader battered Monsoon and, mm. and Cornette was in the back and even he looked a bit scared of him. Like, ah, oh, shit, what have I done? Kind of thing. But, yeah, in terms of continually building up Vader as this monster, you've had him batter Monsoon, you've had him take Yoko out of action. If you have him send Scott Hall to Atlanta, mm. it's going to make him look superb. Yeah, absolutely is, yeah. So we get a video package about Sunny, just some clips of all the, the, the sultry things she's been doing over the last few weeks. Yeah. 
just again, just getting her over. I guess it's she's a for people hopping the channels to see Sunny kind of being a bit rude with the pool cue. Yeah, having a nice little bath, I, I, lying on the beach. I never want to be lecherous on this podcast, but she was absolutely gorgeous. She in was cheddar gorgeous yeah. at this point. <laughs> Say no to drugs. That's a that's a very uh, it's a very southwest England reference there. You're very welcome. <laughs> Cheddar gorgeous. Um, main event o'clock already, kids. You're damn right. I'm over. Um, is it main event o'clock yet? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So we get we this is the last match of the night, and then we've got a segment to end the yeah, night on yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're still waiting to hear from Bret Hart in Bonn. Will he say Bon Appetit at the end of his dinner? We'll find out. <laughs> Uh, it's Savio Vega versus Goldust for the Intercontinental title. Of course, Goldust's uh, championship hanging in the balance right now because he got injured in Dusseldorf, as mm. you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, but in in the sort of the, the canon of Raw at the moment, he's fine. Yeah. So he's wrestling fine here. Uh, the stars of Pacific Blue are hosting a night of USA original programming. Rick Rosovich and Jim Davidson, not that Jim Davidson, <laughs> oh. uh, will be hosting the night of new programs according to Vince and Jerry. Stand up, stand up. The national anthem's playing. <laughs> Right, thank you. Yep. <laughs> oh, the elephant around the castle. <laughs> uh, it's not... When it, my ears just went... When he said Jim Davidson, I was like, what? What? Big break. Mm. <laughs> the racist from Big Break. Next week on Raw, John Fergo. <laughs> oh, my God. John Fergo is guest Raw general manager. <laughs> Fucking teaching Seamus a trick shot. <laughs> Fuck yes. You absolute cowards, why didn't you do it? What you want to do is you want to strike it softly so it goes round the red, hits the pink, hits that into the vase, and then straight in the pocket. Actually, it'd be Santi Nomura. Hey, John Nomura, teach me how to do a trick shot! <laughs> and he gets it wrong, and he ends up having a fucking match with Vladimir Kozlov, probably. Mm. That was the, the guest general manager era of the WWE. Coming to the classic Raw review, providing I'm not dead. <laughs> when we get there, if not, it'll be you and, I don't know. My my son. What makes you think I'll be alive? That's true. <laughs> yeah. It'd be our cats doing it. I think Pat, I, I was going to say in morning, just eating nothing with biscuits and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. It's like he's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. And that's why I want you to all do it at my funeral. Thank you. Uh, we get a recap of Goldust and Warriors showdown from last week. Uh, Warrior getting sweary was excelente. And it was a ratings hit, so I don't, I don't blame them for yeah. doing it again. Uh, Goldus comes close to licking Savio Vega's face. Vega responds with a rude fist gesture. Yeah, he just tells him to fuck off. That, yeah. it, what's the origin of the old fuck off? I don't know. Like the fist, like with the. A bit like how Santina Morella would do the cobra, whereby he'd thump his inner arm, his inner elbow, to pull the arm up, and there'd be a fist. It's also the. Is it um, Spaceballs, the interplanetary greeting? Ah, that's what he was doing. Yeah, he was saying hello. He was saying hello to Mel Brooks. Friend ah, of the show, Mel Brooks. Friend of the show, Mel Brooks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but it, it yeah, basically just means fuck off, really, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Uh, Savio Vega, not happy by being groped by Goldust in a lockup, in a lockup, or happy about getting twerked on in the corner. Mm. Man games. They ponder on commentary if Goldust is a boxers or briefs guy. Which are you? Uh, boxers. I'm boxers too. But it needs to be a specific type. What sort of specific type? So it's got to be a tight boxer, but it's going to have a long leg so it doesn't ride up. Ah, mm. that's clever, that. Mm. I've got, um, I'm not too fussy about boxes and stuff, but I have got one pair 
which I which I wear as often as I can. J- just one pair. I've just got the one pair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn them inside out when the, when when the time gets tough. The time gets tough. I'm back to front. Um, yeah. For my birthday about two years ago, Alex bought me a pair of boxers which he'd had her face like put on them. So like they're custom made boxers with her face all over them. Yeah, and they're really comfy. <laughs> so I wear them quite often, and then she'll see me getting ready for work, and she'll go. I feel weird that you still wear those. It's like they're like in circulation with your underpants. <laughs> She's like, they're comfy. Yeah. yeah. And it stops ladies from coming at me. I'm, I said, I'm going to wear them to Cardiff. Yeah. So if anybody gets fresh, I can drop my trousers and go, I'm taken. Don't get fresh with this, man. Do not get fresh with me. Whatever you do, unless you've had a shower, in which case you're fresh already. Uh, Vega pushes through the mind games. Man games. Hits a side slam to take control. He gives Goldust a spank for good measure. Lawler asks if Savio thinks he's spanky from the Little Rascals. Vince makes a mental note that a Little Rascals crossover gimmick would be a good idea in 2022. Butch. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Still joke there. Yeah. A stun gun puts Goldust back in charge, as does a camel clutch. Lawler refers to Vega as burrito breath. Oh, great. That's, Lawler, that's yeah. lovely. That's not cool. Uh, he asks if Goldus and Marlino do their own tax returns. <laughs> He's really scraping the barrel for bands. It's tax deadline day when this goes out. Um, so I guess that they're being yeah. topical. Yeah. Goldus gets on the microphone. <laughs> this is great. So Goldus is winning here, but like he gets sick of the crowd. So he yeah. stops to get the microphone and tells the crowd if they don't shut up, he'll come out there and kiss every single one of them. It was odd because surely <laughs> you should think a kiss from him is a gift. But also, this wasn't. This wasn't Goldust. This was Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. He just, he just dropped the character and just went, hey, everyone, shut up. Shut up, I'll give you a kiss. But it, it worked in getting Heath. Oh, they hated him. Yeah. They booed more, which made me think they really want kisses. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that would be awful. Boo. Oh, don't come and kiss me. <laughs> Naughty boy. <laughs> it gives Vega an opening to get a kiss and get back into the match. Goldust gets a cheap shot and teabags Savio Vega. No. <laughs> Only for it to get countered with a roll-up for a two. Goldust's top rope move, whatever it was going to be, was stopped by Vega with a savat kick, followed by a superplex. However, Goldust counters with two headbutts and a kiss. The kiss sends Savio Vega, like, flying across the ring. Oh, it does. Now, it's either, like, a super powerful kiss that has, like, a wind sort of, like, turbine-type effect, or Savio Vega is such a homophobe, he has to literally launch himself away from anything that might be misconstrued as man-on-man love action. Like, he literally launches himself away. Who was it in Mortal Kombat? Who's fatal? Was it Melina or Katana with gave a kiss and... The whole face would melt. Yeah, or blow up or some shit. So maybe he thought he was playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And he was worried that the, the kiss would blow his whole face up. And uh, Vince McMahon called it a bite. He was like, oh, he bit him. And Laura was like, oh, he didn't bite him, did he? Yeah. It, wasn't, it was definitely a kiss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Final flurry by Vega as we go into the commercial break. He runs at Goldust, inadvertently knocks the ref down. Marlena hands Goldust the Intercontinental title. Twice he goes for a cheap shot. Twice he gets a Savat kick. A la Shawn Michaels finish on Jerry Lawler from Raw last week. I'm just pissed off at Earl Hebner. Fucking standing in the fucking way of a man running the ropes and getting knocked down. It's almost like he's a shite ref. (laughs) Dying on this hill. (laughs) Savio Vega now grabs the IC title and clatters Goldust with it. Earl Hebner is up just in time to see a three count with Vega on top. Savio Vega is the new Intercontinental Champion! Or is he? Tim White, who was the other ref involved in this, talks to Earl Hebner, says that Savio Vega cheated by hitting Goldust with the title. And that is a fair shout. Yeah. He did cheat. They I, both cheated. I, I or do, one attempted to cheat, one did cheat. Fair fucks to Savio, though. I like the fact that he wasn't a babyface, like, oh, I shouldn't do this. She's like, no, I've got an opening here. I'm going to twat him. I hate him. Bang. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon heads out to clean this whole mess up. Uh, sadly, he doesn't get into the ring and break both his quads like Vince did that time. <laughs> Vince, uh, no, so Fink gets the ruling from Gorilla Monsoon that Goldust is stripped of the Intercontinental title and the championship is declared vacant with a rematch taking place next week between Vega and Goldust. Yeah. Hey, what was the point of this? Monsoon is as shit as being an official as Earl Hebner is as being a referee. <laughs> it, it was nonsensical. But... This was unfair to Goldust. It was unfair to Goldust. Because uh, I put it, why, why did Goldust get stripped? On what grounds did he get stripped? But I understand the market employed tune in next week. There'll definitely be a new champion. Mm. But the logic of wrestling, which WWF just like to just play fast and loose with, it didn't make any sense. No. No sense at all. No, because Goldust technically hadn't done anything wrong in that match. He was a, no. he look, was he about to? Well, yeah, at one point, yeah. But did he? No, no, no cheating. No, he wasn't. He wasn't even like he knocked the ref down. No, like didn't do any cheating. He was, that was Earl's fault. He is an innocent man. 
Right, our final segment of the night. What is next for Brett the Hitman Hart? So, we get footage from WrestleMania 12 of Brett walking through the gorilla position. Give yourself 10 points if you spotted Bruce Pritchard. That's the only person I saw, yeah. He's like, oh, Oh. nice one, Brett. Well done. Ray Rougeau was there too. I didn't see Ray Rougeau. As he walks past gorilla, you see Ray Rougeau kind of go, hey, Brett. Uh, gives Brett a little nod. Brett, sh- Brett gets back to his locker room, shouts at the camera crew to get out. He doesn't even shower post-match. He has his bag, he gets in his car, and says, quote, I'm going to fuck off for a while. They bleep out the fuck. But he de- and I rewound it. So did he say piss? Did he say fuck? He said, I definitely said, I'm going to fuck off yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, I rewound it too. It's real to him, isn't it? Yeah, it's real to us now. This is showing gorilla position and all that. Interesting little... Uh, a sign of adults. Mm. On the banks of the River Rhine in Germany, Bret Hart speaks to gathered press. He says that the match wasn't beneficial to him, saying it wasn't a 60-minute match as promised. It was actually a 62-minute match, and that's his problem. He said he waited for Sean to make a mistake, uh, as he does, and when he did, he would have won. He said Sean was never going to escape the sharpshooter, and they rang the bell, so Brett released the hold. Yeah. And he's like, well, he never escaped. The time ran out. I, I, I caught him in a sharpshooter. He couldn't get out of it. If they were that hell-bent on doing overtime, they should have started the overtime immediately, but they didn't. Uh, he says the three minutes between the end of the match and the start of the overtime was where he made his mistake. So Brett was quite grumpy about the match. Mm. Uh, Brett says working for another wrestling organization would be a step down, even if they are throwing money around at the moment. He makes it clear he's not greedy for money. He is greedy for respect. Quote, the only place I'll ever get respect is the World Wrestling Federation. He says he feels betrayed and doesn't have a yearning to come back, but he does want a title shot. Oh, Brett, if only you knew. <laughs> uh, hopefully there'll be a good official for if he does come back and has a title shot. Oh, no, wait, it's going to be L fucking happen. <laughs> um, yeah, but Brett moans all the time. But he has a, <laughs> he has a point, though. He does. He has a point. <sighs> he does, but... <laughs> He does. He comes across as a big fucking heel here. But he's, he... You know when you work somewhere and there's always that guy that always complains about something really shitty in the office? Like, no, no, it would be, <laughs> it'd be something like, oh, like, the thing is, I've got an hour lunch break, but it takes me four minutes to get to buy my lunch. So really, I should have that four minutes added on at the end because that's mm. not technically starting my lunch break. Plus, someone came in and asked me a question mm. about work, so I should have that 30 seconds added on. He's He's one of them in the office. He's... Oh, I feel like if I worked with him at HMV, he'd just drag the mood down. Yeah, but he's the best. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but, it doesn't make but, him not. It doesn't, just, yeah, but, being the best there is, there was, and will be doesn't excuse you from being a miserable sod. After the bollocks that just went down with Gorilla Monsoon saying, oh, Goldust, your strip, blah, 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 blah. But I can just be like, look at the officiating. That's shit. Yeah, shit, it's shit show. But, uh, yeah, do you, want, do you want a little observer bit? I'd love a bit of observer. So WWF sources claim it's not a question of whether Bret Hart will return, only when he'll return. Those close to Hart say that after the Q8 tour in May, there is a possibility he won't come back, and that has nothing to do with acting opportunities, and Bret hasn't made a decision on his future yet. This is a weird situation because they are working the WWF storyline around reality. Hart legitimately was mad about dropping the title to Shawn Michaels. You don't say and wasn't secretive in regards to his thoughts that Michaels didn't have the maturity for the position. True. 
However, things like Hart not shaking hands or storming out the building after Mania match, they were all 100% storyline. Not to Brett, probably. There is also a possibility in order to get him back when the time is right that the WWF will let him take the belt again and work a lengthy program with Michaels with the belt bouncing around, which would be a compromise both sides would likely agree to. One of those suggestions that I read in The Observer was for SummerSlam. Yes. Uh, a Brett versus uh, Sean ladder match. Mm. Uh, however, at the moment, that's not set in stone. No. Uh, Bret Hart did a column in the Calgary Sun. Was it actually him this time, or was it Bruce or Keith or <laughs> Smith? Or... I mean, Keith forging his handwriting. Uh, where I go from here is undetermined. I could consider ending what has been an illustrious career, or I could regroup with my worldwide following of loyal fans to charge and storm the castle once more. To be a four-time WWF world champion has a compelling ring to it, but I admit that coming home for good sounds more compelling to me right now. I will take some well-deserved time off and decide my future in the future. Now, Hart rarely breaks storyline in his columns. Mm. Uh, he did say, as kind of we reiterated here, he doesn't like Shawn Michaels being a role model for small kids. He says that somebody should ask why Michaels was beaten up in Syracuse, suggesting that it was because a lot of time, Michaels is a bit of a jerk. Uh, he also had a few digs to give it towards the ultimate warrior, saying he received a tremendous response, but said Warrior was more tired after his match than Brett was after going 62 minutes. Quote, Warrior will fade fast, especially if he hasn't learned any more than throwing clotheslines and shaking the ropes. But hey, he looks great. <laughs> Fucking hell, Brett. Big star making a comeback, and Brett goes, yeah, well, he was tired, and he shit, but hey, he looked good. I did not hear any word of lie. <laughs> No Hart. lies detected. For anything he said. No there. lies detected. He's like, oh, sure, Michael's a bit of a cunt and he's not mature. It's like, yeah. He's like, oh, all bit worries a bit shit and gassed. He's like, yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with him. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I'm pushing the agenda, Tom. <laughs> the nature of towing the line a little bit, which Brett doesn't do. No. So it ends, yeah, so Raw ends really suddenly with him just kind of sort of saying, uh, I want to come back. I might come back and maybe get a title shot. Mm. And and then it just sort of fades to black and that's raw. Yeah. Real sudden fade. But nice thing to hang people around for. And it's it's a good way to end it because going into Mania and coming out of it, the endings have been a bit weird. When it wasn't the billionaire Ted stuff, it would just be like cuttings of interest. It's like, oh, next week, we'll party Shelly. It's like that. It feels like the family figuring, oh, if we end on like a cliffhanger and something noteworthy, then people won't go to WCW for the last 10 minutes. Mm. Uh, but, yeah. If we kind of make it feel like it's not quite ending, yeah, then people might stay. Well, people still do that. You keep watching until you see the little yeah, copyright WWF 1996. Blah, 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 blah. There's a rule I was taught in radio um, called it was the Gloria Gaynor rule, mm. uh, which never can say goodbye. <laughs> I'm always encouraged to never say goodbye at the end of a radio show. Yeah. So if you ever listen, I'll always kind of go, I'll mention who's up next and I'll go, oh, big tune on the way from them and them. And it's this right now. It's this. And that'll probably be my last link. Yeah. So I'll never go. Bye. Thanks. See you tomorrow. Because it's the premise. Because the, the idea being that if you're saying goodbye, then people will then go away. Whereas if you kind of leave it sort of ambiguous and just go, hey, so and so is doing this next day for that. Yeah. People carry on. Talking of which, when is uh, Love You Ambiguous Fridays coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Love You When Fridays. The world may never know. But this is the part where we nearly sign off on the podcast. What do we make of Raw this week? A big, big boots to fill from last time. It was another good episode. It was more wrestling heavy. Mm. It was just basically chock full of action. Like we were saying last week, the building storylines, well, 
Um, still no sign of Taker on TV, apart from the Mankind thing. So they are, even though it's from the same tapings, but they're playing it as, oh, fuck, he's been he's been taken out, not mentioning them or anything. Yeah, two weeks, I've not seen anything. And the added spice of uh, Brett, it was good running thread throughout the show. It's like, Brett's coming up. We haven't seen Brett. People like Brett. Let's hear from Brett. And tell mm. people to get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> get out. Uh, and the IC title box is a good hook for next week. It so. is, yeah. Whether or not it's the right hook, it certainly is our hook for next week. Uh, your thoughts compared to, well, compared to last week and just in general? I enjoyed the show. I thought it's nice to, again, it's a nice to see these little moments in raw history where you see a bit of history built. Yeah. First time we see a stunner. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I thought it was back Vega and Goldust actually had a, a decent enough match together I as liked a main. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Brett stuff is compelling. It's a little bit laced in real, yeah. which they're not doing much of at the moment. So it's a bit real. So you got a bit of reality. It's getting more violent. You got Vince saying, oh, don't you want to have relations with Sable and Sonny? Mm. Last week you had Ultimate Warrior saying shit. This week you had Bret Hart saying fuck off. It's. Oh, it's kind of a bit sparse. It's still a it's still a bit crap, but it's nearly the attitude era. Yeah. So I want to call it the the pratitude era. This is this is a, a polished turd. It's a bit crap, but it's good. <laughs> the polished turd era. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and from us polished turds to you, this has been a lovely episode of the Cold Art Classic Raw Review. In terms of when the next one will be, um, I think we'll take a, a short break. It. Are we on holiday? We're on holiday oh, now. We're on holiday. We're on holiday now. Uh, we, we haven't mentioned it. We haven't mentioned it at all. fucking work. <laughs> so uh, chances are you may not have a classic Raw review for two weeks. I think then we're back proper. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. about two weeks. So thank you for your support all the same. It's been a lovely time. Um, sorry we couldn't fill the gap any more than we have, but at least we're telling you now to, to enjoy the next two weeks without us. Mm. Don't miss day. Don't go too far. Because we'll be back before you know it. And we'll have loads of holiday stories to tell yeah. when we come back. The preamble will be about two hours. So that'll be good. So until we're next, back together. Here's at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together we're at Colorado. Don't forget to join us. Oh, could you chance I could play Alex Kidd in, in Shinobi World League? Davey. <laughs> Dave, Dave. I'm not Davy, I'm Sting! No, no, I'm talking to Davy. It's it's me. Oh, okay, Davy's over there. It's me, Diana. Hart. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave, you wanna I wasn't p- expecting Diana Hart! I wanna play Altered Beast! <laughs> <laughs> Let me play Altered Beast! That's a hook for next time! Oh. More Diana Hart Smith! Davy man! Get me on a plane. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.